TH Glee, the show where we get high and watch Glee. I'm Courtney, and I've never seen all of Glee. And I'm Elise, and Glee was my entire personality back in the day. I know for the listeners, we are both consuming weed legally and are allowed to have it, so if it is not legal in your area or you are not of legal age to consume it, please don't. And yes, we will be trashing Will Schuster in every episode. Please enjoy this, and hi us, take it away. (laughs) Well, you know, some say love, it is a river. <laughs> I like the idea of you saying it as a speech while someone's gently singing it behind you. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> no, but it's perfect. Uh, welcome to TH Glee, friends, family, followers, oh, wow. freaks. Yeah, this is season five, episode 18, the backup plan. You mean the backup singer? <laughs> this episode uh, made me laugh so hard. <laughs> it was not supposed to be a funny episode at all. I will say, God, like the the plot of this was incredibly stupid, but like it was so much funnier than I remembered it being. <laughs> this episode they were taking so seriously (laughs) oh okay so you had so many questions during this rachel rachel's on this like high from funny girl like her face is on park benches she's signing autographs at the stage door she's living her dream but she also got an agent who's richard kind I had completely forgotten that Richard Kind was on Glee. <laughs> so random, but he's here. But here he is, ladies and gents. Um, so amazing. Also, I'm always happy to see him. Spe- also, this episode had the weirdest cameos. <laughs> so many guest stars. Richard so Kind. So many. Uh, fucking Shirley MacLaine. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Jim Rash. Yes. Uh. Eric Roberts as a nameless character. As, like, himself, I guess. <laughs> I looked it up on IMDb. He was listed as, like, fundraising assistant. <laughs> Which is insane. He's very famous. Um, it's just, like, this episode was nothing. You thought the guy from the Mercedes' studio was on CSI, which, for all we know, he is. Yeah, he is the guy from CSI, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm gonna have to, like, go to his IMDb. Yeah, there was so much happening in this. And it was crazy. It was crazy from the jump. Like, you and I were, like, dying of laughter as the credits were still Like, going. literally, minute one. It was just like, what is <laughs> happening, my guy? Like, it was crazy. <laughs> like, Rachel's, like, talking all about this. Richard Kind's telling her that she has a face for radio. And, because Rachel's like, I want to do TV and movies. And he's like, haha, you're funny. Um, he says that's he literally says that's not for you yeah which is just so rude and um 
Also, why would he sign her with a huge agency if he didn't plan on building her career past? That the was era? also the thing I was like, if he, if her producer from Funny Girl signed her with this agency, why is he mad that she's like? I guess he was more mad that she lied that she lied to him. Because I feel like if she had said, "Hey, I had somebody approach me saying they want to fly me to Hollywood to do a, like a TV test," he'd be like, "Oh yeah, your understudy can go on for the night." I feel like if she had literally just said those words in that order it would have been fine yeah i feel like this is sort of this is sort of a recurring issue for rachel because like we saw her get into some of this shit in like season two and stuff and season two and three like with sending sunshine corazon to the crack house and with uh rigging the election for kurt both of those were things that she could have handled like a mature person and it would have not been a single issue for her and I think that was probably a case here. And, like, we can't guarantee that the producer would be okay with that. Because, like several people say in this, she's, like, less than a month into her run. Which is part of why this is so ridiculous. Yeah. Is that, like, she's barely started this thing. And less than a month in, she's like, actually, I want to test for a pilot in LA. Which is a great opportunity. But also, like... If you have a team, you need to, like, talk to your team about it. Yeah, she didn't talk to her agent about it. She didn't talk to her producer about it. Because also, they could have insight for her to be like, oh, no, that guy, you don't want to work with him or something. Like, they they know more about the industry than you do. That's why you have them there to help you. I'm sure her agent could have been like, oh, my God, I have heard of that project, and it's going to flop. Like... Yeah. They could have warned her, you know? Like, that's the whole point of having your team, is that you have other people to, like, tell you when to do things or not, you know? Yeah, it's it's building strategy. And also, like, why was she so quickly, like, willing to give up what she's worked the last, like, five years for, for a stupid TV show? So, okay. I have on many occasions since this aired said that this change for Rachel is like the single most out of character thing to ever happen on this television show. I still feel that way, but I don't feel that way as strongly having watched like her full arc right now, like having watched it all like back to back to back. I like, it makes more sense to me. Like, I'm willing to see what they were going for. I still think it's very stupid and inaccurate, but I think what they're pushing for is this narrative of Rachel, like, finally having consequences for her, like, relentless ambition. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's finally biting her in the ass. And, like, she has to, like, one day learn a lesson and be told no about something and have to deal with the consequences of her fucked up choices. And... As we, like, a lot of season six is her sort of rebuilding after all of this blows up in her face. Like, I don't think it's really a spoiler for me to say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, like, this does not go well for her. <laughs> I, like, I know it looks like it is now. It won't. <laughs> I understand, like, wanting to have consequences for her actions. But that should have happened in, like, season three or two. This should not be happening in season five, you know? Because this is what I... This is at the point where I'm like, she's doing it. She's doing the thing. I want her to grow in a way that, like, is positive, and she's just growing in ways that are still negative, you know? Yeah. I think... Like, there's a sense of maturity that I want to see from her now that 
we're not gonna see because they wrote her incorrectly but well i think coming back to like the last time we saw carmen Thibodeau was when she like went to rachel and was like listen you're being a child about this you need to listen to me you are never gonna go anywhere in this industry if you don't learn to listen to other people you cannot be making these impulsive decisions it will only sustain you for so yeah, long. Like, she's, like she's I think, gonna... I think setting that up for this works makes this work so much better. But at the same time, I just like, I just what flashes in my head is like in season three or whatever when like Finn is trying to convince Rachel to go to LA, and he's like, "Well, you can act out there," and she goes, "No, I'm not a film or TV actress." I'm a New York stage actress. Like she says that as like a reason why she couldn't possibly imagine moving with her fiance (laughs) to a different city. Like she is so set on this. I think what I want to say to give the show credit is I want to believe that if her agent hadn't so vehemently told her, no, that's not for you. You can't do that. That maybe she would have been content with this for a while longer, but we can't know what that would have been like because they don't show it to us. <laughs> so it was so unnecessary to like tell us that she had an agent when she didn't even like use him in this episode. And like, yeah. And like, where are her parents and all of this? Like, why didn't she call her dad? Yeah, why is she signing huge contracts? Like, to have an agent, that's a contract. To be on Broadway, that's a contract. And, and like, I know that like it's exciting and it's your dream, but like, you need a lawyer. And also, like, <laughs> I don't know. I know it's just because her they don't want to pay Jeff Goldblum to be there, but like, yeah, they shot themselves in the foot by casting famous. Yeah, people. because it's like she needs her dads to be there to like help her get through all of this. Like, I know she's technically an adult and can make these decisions, but like, she's not mature enough. But she's barely, yeah. An adult. And her dads know that, and I feel like they would be flying out there to help them. One of them could barely be a lawyer; they're Jewish. Like, <laughs> but it's just like so out of left field like all of these like things that are happening to her now because it's it's, like she got she got repercussions a little bit when she quit niata but i i want to see instead of like her being taken down a peg i want to see carmen thibodeau coming back and her being like you're right i do need more help like this would have been a great episode for her to like leave that producer's office at a fucking after fucking up going to Kurt and Kurt being like, come with me. And he takes her to Carmen and Carmen's like, this is what I told you what would happen. Are you ready to listen? And she can be like, yes, mm-hmm. I am. Instead, she got a phone call from Ratface telling her that they're going to make a TV show about her. So. Yeah. Again, we're rewriting I, Glee here. <laughs> I can't believe I'm wanting to defend this plot right now. I have hated this so much for so long. And in this moment, all I can think of are ways that it actually works, which is annoying because I don't like I know, it. But, but I am but I am seeing how like as a piece of storytelling it works. And it's so <laughs> which is too. annoying. I don't want to. It's so like annoying it. too, because like as a whole, I don't like Rachel Berry as a character. She does deserve to be taken down a peg, like a lot, because she's a, a petulant she's an impetulant child, like as they keep telling her. Like she yeah. deserves to like be she needs to hit rock bottom before she's gonna be able to like move on and like actually do justice to her career, you know? I think I think her confidence and her ambition are just completely blinding her to any sense of logic. I think her competitive 
uh, drive to be the very best and to do the most things is just, like, completely fucking with her brain chemistry. Yeah. And, like, there's just, she can't, is incapable of listening until she loses everything. It's because every, along the way, everyone keeps telling her, every time somebody tells her, no, don't do that, that's a bad idea, she takes that as a challenge instead of as an advice. Yes, exactly. Exactly. She takes it as, well, I'll prove you wrong. And it's like, yeah, in a lot of cases in high school, you had to prove your bullies wrong. We get it. This isn't high school. These people are actually like, Curtis telling you not to do something, and you're not listening to your best friend who you trust with your life, who lives with you, who knows, like, what this all means to you. You know? Like, it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And, like, not to jump to the very end of the episode, but the episode ends with her being legitimately threatened in a very real way and saying, listen, if you do not do your job as you are contracted to do, we will fire you from the show, we will sue you, (laughs) for loss of profit and I will blacklist you and you will never work in this city again and like that's a real thing that could happen and she's freaked the fuck out when that conversation ends and the guy from LA is like hey Rachel we want to make a show about you and she's like oh my god really thank you and it's like did you not hear him (laughs) yeah like you have did you know were you not in that conversation 10 seconds earlier Rachel you have everything you've ever wanted all all ready for you to go like you've gotten this so early in your life and you are just doing everything you can to make it disappear as quickly as possible i what i the okay this is where i will shit on this plot is the details of it are where it falls apart because all she has to do presumably my guess would be her contract for this is basically you have to stay with the show until we have turned a profit and then you we can talk about finding you a replacement and you doing something yeah. else that process does not take a very long time like it is longer than you might expect but like it's usually less than a year i would say or 6 so. to 8 months depending on who you are yeah it's not that long <laughs> just wait and also if you wait that long guess what you can be in tony contention and wouldn't that make you happy? Isn't that what you've always yeah, wanted, you could, is to win an award for Broadway performance? You could like, be, why not stick like you around? You could be nominated for Best Actress in a Revival. Like, literally, she, she could, could win. win that. If she's that big of a deal, she could win. Winning and a like, Tony at Wouldn't that Tony? be more impressive when you're trying to go out and have a film and television career to already be an award-winning actor of, like, one of the big five awards? Yeah. And also, that gives you more clout. That makes people want you more. It opens up, like, yeah. other producers on Broadway to be like, I want, to, you make I more want money. that girl in my musical next, like, season. It means you can go, yeah. like, you can go to Hollywood with a, like, actual resume and be like, I am a yeah. Tony Award winning actress. I want to do, like, this TV show. It also shows that you're professional. Yeah, because you stuck with it. You honored your contract. At this moment, she is a possibly 20-year-old, potentially still 19-year-old college dropout who is untrained. This is her first professional credit, and she's been doing it for three and a half weeks. 
You have nothing. You have nothing to go off of except for the the very small amount of people that have seen your show and liked yeah. it. That is a very small pool. One, you're <laughs> she's gonna Cassandra July herself. Like one good review is not enough to save your career, bitch. Like yeah. But so I think I to to sum all of that up. I think I can appreciate the greater story that they're telling, but it's in the details where it falls apart and gets sloppy and gets angry making for me because i don't think rachel's an idiot no (laughs) i think rachel would think about these things (laughs) yeah i mean to get to the less serious parts of the episode she's uh getting after being told she's got a face for radio she's getting ready for like a funny girl and and then she starts singing wake me up by avici and it does it starts doing like a time lapse kind of thing and it's just (laughs) her at her vanity putting on makeup for like a solid minute singing and the same man comes in with her wig and like in and out every half second (laughs) yeah so she's she's either like applying eyeliner or mascara or she's using a makeup wipe on her face and as she's applying it the guy comes and brings the wig in and then as she's taking it off he comes and takes the wig away and it's just back and forth and back and forth with the wig and I had never really noticed that before and as soon as you pointed it out it was like it was so funny because every time we would think maybe we're moving on from that and then he would come back with the wig it was so distracting (laughs) to have him like just appear constantly like every two seconds I was just like (laughs) <laughs> how many times do they need to wash this wig <laughs> and then and then after we get done with the wig part which is like half a song is the wig um <laughs> she she's exiting her dressing room and it's just another rachel like every two seconds so it just turns into this like parade of like 15 rachels oh it was such a weird choice for that song to like show time passes. <laughs> It's to show that time has passed. <laughs> they can yeah, do it just yeah. like three what? weeks later thing. Or just like not tell us like they usually do. I would also say like... <sighs> I think I would appreciate this plot more if it didn't have this number, which is her being so weary about going out and doing what she loves and getting that much applause every yeah. night. And it's like... And she, it's like, oh, it's so routine. Just, like, wake me up when it's all over. It's like, what? What? But, I mean, like, even if she's ambitious and even if she is, like, being undermined, you know, like, or she's undermining her own career, like, that's not the attitude that I want her to have it's about so it. so weird, too, because, like, like, I know I'm not an actor, but I know if I was an actor, like, even just being me, the thought of doing eight shows a week sounds fucking awful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, like, part of me understands, but also, if Broadway has been your dream for this long, you know that going into it. You know that you have to have the stamina to do that. You know? Like... Yeah. And you get Mondays off, so... It's just, like, it's crazy to me that she's just, like, moping about all of this. So she's yeah. She sings so, "Waking Up" by Avicii for some reason, and then she gets the call. She fakes being sick to go to L.A. She goes to L.A. for this fucking test, and she sings. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what it's called. That song, "The Rose" by Bette yeah. Miller. 
Uh, and it's clear from the moment it starts that she's not supposed to be singing yeah, for cause... this. Because, like, every other person in the room looks uncomfortable, and, like, Jim Rash keeps, like, trying to stand up to, like, tell her to stop, and he keeps, like, feeling like it's too awkward. Yeah, and then, like, and then, like, she she finishes singing, and the, everyone's like, so that was great, but um, Song of Solomon, which is the name of this stupid fucking show, isn't actually a singing mm-hmm. show. It's a space opera, which I don't know how that's not a singing show if it's an opera. Well, like, Star Wars is considered a space opera. It doesn't literally mean, like, opera music. It means, like, epic whatever but it, it the script for it that they are like using is like some weird star trek porn script for sure like it's so awkward and awful her character is named galadriel which is the name of a character in lord of the rings and she finishes that and it's awful and she leaves and her producer has called her and is like hey your understudy fell off the stage you need to perform tonight and Rachel's like, I'll be right there. She's in LA. Like, <laughs> she's fully. That's in a six-hour flight plus a three-hour time difference, and she's saying it's her flight is at ten a.m. Like, she's gonna get there at nine p.m. Like, <laughs> like, like there's there's no world in which she makes it. Um, yeah. Um, she does say that she makes it for the second act, which I'm like, I don't think no, you would. I think the amount of time it takes to get from an airport to Manhattan is longer than it would take for you to be able to get yeah, there. Yeah, you'd time. have to get to JF from JFK to fucking 42nd Street. And no, that's not happening. Or maybe it would be Newark. That could happen a little easier, maybe. But no, stupid. So yeah, and so she is trying to get back to New York, but she gets stuck in LA traffic because, like, duh. And she calls Kurt, and Kurt's, like, freaking out, and Kurt goes to Santana, and Santana's like, I got this. And Santana just, like, does it for a night. She just is making rice for the night. <laughs> they just let her do it. <laughs> yeah, the producer even shows up, and he's like, what are you doing here? Where's Rachel? And she's like, not here. And he's like, didn't you quit? She's like, do you want me to do it again? (laughs) And he just like lets her go out. I'm like, what? Because he's like, I don't want to lose money. Performances get canceled all the time. Yeah, it happens. (laughs) Who cares? You just give people their ticket, the roof refund and they buy another ticket. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And then, what? And there's other plot that happens, but like, that's the well that's the gist of the rachel plot is so like rachel comes back and it's like really gets yelled at by sydney Uh, and yeah and we already talked about that and then as soon as she leaves she's like in tears and jim rash calls and is like we're making a show about you and she's like oh my god thank you and uh there you go that's the end of her story that's how the episode ends actually which is actually insane meanwhile um in baby plot um mercedes is trying to finish her like album and she calls santana or like she gets home early one day and santana's like why are you home early and i had to be like does santana live with them now i thought santana still lived with rachel i actually don't know where santana lives but i don't know how she's living with mercedes when mercedes has a room blaine has a room and sam's on the couch it's yeah. a, whatever. They do live in a very large place, though. 
which confounds it's me. astounding um but mercedes is like i need to finish the album but i just can't like get inspired and then santana's like well figure it out and then mercedes is like we should do we should sing together because whenever we sing together it's great and she's right whenever they sing together it's great hi toothless everyone say hi to toothless hi toothless look at this chubby boy he does not want to be on no he's he's camera shy he's actually not Anyways, he, so Mercedes is like, come sing with me. And so she takes Santana to the, the recording studio and Santana's like, maybe you just got to get out of the, the booth and like find some real sound. And so then they sing um, the Lauren Hill song. It's do wop that thing. I love that song. I love Lauren Hill. It's a good um, song. They sing it very well. And the dude from CSI is the producer, and he's like, this is great. We should sing your song in, like, this, like, ghoulish basement place because it has, like, a raw sound to it or whatever. And then Mercedes is like, but I want to make it a duet now. I want Santana to sing with me. And her producer's like, no, this is your album. It's your first album. And if you want to do a duet, we got to get a single together with somebody like Alicia Keys, or he just names like a bunch of artists. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Santana's like, yeah, he's right. Like, don't don't worry about me. Like, whatever. Also, then Santana just went and fucking performed on Broadway, like <laughs> one night only. <laughs> like it's like she did that like it was no big deal. Like it's something she does like every yeah. week just for fun. And then Mercedes is like very just determined to get Santana to be in this duet with her, I guess. And so she makes Santana do it with her. And that's that, I guess. Right. That was that. Yeah. Basically it seems like she presents her with a recording contract, but I don't think that could possibly be what happened. I have no idea. Kurt and Blaine or Kurt and Blaine are coming out of school and Kurt's like, by the way, they're renaming the dance studio after, what was her name? June Dalloway or something? It was another dumb name with another month yeah. in it. June Dalloway. Not Dalloway. Dalloway. Yeah, not Dalloway. Dalloway. Who is just Shirley MacLaine. Um, <laughs> and Kurt's like... Acting very weird, to be honest. Yeah. And so... Kurt's like, I'm going to perform there. I want to do this. I want to do story of my life by one direction. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This incredibly important thing with this, like where I only get one chance to prove myself to this, like impressive socialite. I know I'll sing story of my life. by one direction. classic move. Everyone's favorite song. And so so they they sing sing that. that. Sorry. I keep being distracted (laughs) by text. They sing that, and Blaine's like, I'll sing it with you, so they do it, and she's like, that was incredible, you both are amazing, oh my god, I want to, like, invite you to this, like, dinner, so I can, like, make you my new project or something, is essentially what she's doing, come to this, like, very expensive dinner with me, and Kurt's like, oh my god, I'm so excited, yes, I love that, I love you, let's do this, and she looks at Kurt and goes, not you. <laughs> and then she looks at Blaine and goes, you. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. Kurt's like, 
still very excited. Like he doesn't really seem jealous in this episode, which is honestly kind of nice. Where he, because so he's very, like very excited, and he's like, "Blaine, you have to do this. You have to hang out with her. You have to do this for your career because this is going to be good for my career." Like, it's going to benefit us both. And Blaine's like, I don't know this lady. I don't really know her. And so then <laughs> he goes to this dinner with her. And they're sitting at the table with, like, a bunch of other, like, rich people. And she then, I don't remember what she says, but she gets on the stage and she's like, I need everyone here to, like, write me a fat check for charity or something. And I have a treat for you. His name is Blaine Anderson. Come up on stage. And she drags... I think she even just calls him Blaine. Uh, she's like, this is Blaine. She's like, this is my new project. And you know I'm never wrong or something. Like... So... I would have loved to see or just hear about some other instances where she did this for people. Because, like, as it stands, she's a socialite. And she's just like, you, I'm going to make you a star. And it's like, okay, you're not, like, a producer. You're not, um, like, a director or anything. Uh, You're just a lady with money. And you're very well connected. Which, like, sure. But it's like, well, could we know, like, who else has she done this for? Because we hear a lot about that. It's like, could you give an example? <laughs> could you give us just a ballpark of what exactly we're dealing with here? And what we get is very confusing to the point where you were, like, throwing out predictions about her and, like, what her, like, secrets are going to be. And I'm like, there aren't really secrets. <laughs> this is just her. Yeah, it's weird. Um, you were like, is she a scam artist? And I was like, that would be way more interesting. I just thought it'd be really cool if she just, like, scammed her way into being a socialite and she was going to, like, take Blaine under her wing and teach him how to do it, too. <laughs> yeah, no, that would, that would be, be awesome. like, a great little, like, spinoff series. It's just Shirley MacLaine and Darren yeah. Chris. <laughs> well, you can tell during this scene. So they end up singing together on yeah, the spot. Like they end up singing Peace of My Heart by Janice Joplin. Yeah, random. Janice... That's that's her name, right? Janice yeah. Joplin. Yes, I Jumpy Jump Form. I know it's yeah. So I was getting tripped up, um, and it is not flattering to either of them. It is in a weird key. It's weird. It's not a good yeah. song for them. I like that song. It's not good for them. Um, and Blaine in this scene is fully just like Darren Chris having a good time. Well, yeah, like, he, 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 it looks like Darren Chris when he's on stage. It does not look like Blaine. Well, and then they go around and like they're like drag queening their way through all the rich people taking checks. Like, yeah, they keep like picking up like cash and stuff, and then they keep picking up like actual cash from people, and then they just like throw it in the air again, and they like they keep collecting more, and then they throw it in the air again, and I'm just like, so what is going on here? <laughs> What is the end game of this situation at this performance? Yeah. Blaine and her are going to put on like a variety show or some shit. I think it's a concert. I don't know. They're... I don't. I only remember what ends up being at it and it's dumb. So I don't. I don't know what the like intent was. Yeah. And. Kurt, Blaine's like, can Kurt perform at it? And she's like, no, actually, you should dump him. Dump his ass. She literally tells him that, like, this love is fleeting or whatever, and that you should just, like, focus on, like, what I can do for you. 
and Blaine talks to Kurt and is like, I think trying to tell him that, but all but then he's but he leads with we're putting on a concert and Kurt's like, Oh my god, tell me what to perform. And Blaine's No, 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 no. See, I think I think I I'm pretty sure Blaine so he tells him he's like, We're putting on a show and he goes, Oh my god, that's amazing. Congratulations. Why didn't you tell me sooner? And Blaine's like, I wanted to make sure that your part was ready. And Kurt's like, I get to be in it? That's amazing. Uh, That's so sweet of you. I never would have guessed that and it's like why did blaine say that he was gonna be in it yeah kurt clearly wasn't expecting that i think he just didn't want him to feel bad and i think what he later says is like well i figured i would have enough time to convince june to change her Mm -hmm. mind but like why open that can of worms in the first place my dude yeah it's no bueno what a weird episode it's an extremely weird episode so, wait, so, like, all of that happens... Isn't that the end? That's pretty much the whole thing. Yeah, we kind of covered all of it, which is yeah. wild. Um, the plots never really converged, except Santana became Danny for a night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well... What was your favorite I liked this more than I remembered liking it. I think it's just because I was giggling the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, I think I got swept up in your because I just because I feel like these are the episodes that they want you to take seriously, and this is the, these are the mm-hmm. ones where I'm just like, no, <laughs> these are stupid. <laughs> this is the stupidest shit I've ever seen. I will say I liked the performances of like the actors in this for the most part. Not everybody, but like I thought Leah Michelle was really good yeah. in this. Um, I thought Santana and Mercedes were both great. No Sam. No Sam. Too bad. We got we got, yeah, we got a I mean, lot of Sam the last like three episodes though. So that's true. They finally have let up on the Sam yeah. girl. They're like, oh my god, Santana's back! Thank God. Where's Brittany? Yeah, I, I, Brittany. She's in the last episode of the season for sure. I don't remember if she's also in the next one. I think she might just be in the last episode. They ever explain like, why she's not in New York with Santana? Did she just go back to Ohio? I'm sure they say something about it at some point. Okay. Um, so, I was going to say something. What was your favorite song? Oh, um, Santana and Mercedes. Same. That was the best one. Yeah, no contest. They actually they did like most of the song. Yeah, that was it was like the whole. Song. <laughs> they really just let him go for it, which like good. Yeah, the next episode is the one that was written by Chris Colfer. Yeah, <gasps> it's gonna be good then. Ah, <laughs> uh, they let him write. Yeah, he wrote he wrote the next episode. Why? I don't know. We- they wanted him to do it. This was, I think, as his career as a writer was kind of taking off. Oh. Because now that's, like, his primary ca- career. is He's, like, a children's book author. Yeah. Huh. Well, now he goes on um, interviews and just talks about Glee being traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. Well, they ask. <laughs> well, anyone um, who's been on Glee, you know they have to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a cryptid sighting. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I mean, so there's only two episodes left. What do you think is going to happen? Um, what's the next episode called? 
old dog new tricks. Dumb. Well, I have a feeling Rachel is going to start getting some shit because people are probably going to be like, like, she missed a performance. What happened? Who is the girl who performed for her? And why was she better or something? I don't know. I'm sure there's going to be something there again. Um, I feel like Kurt and Blaine are going to get in an argument about Shirley MacLaine unless it just never comes up again. That could also be a possibility. Because you said that that happens. Um, <laughs> Rachel's probably gonna... They're probably gonna start filming Rachel's show for some reason sooner rather than later, even though they haven't written any of it. Oh, Rachel's writer is gonna come into town. Probably. Who do you think the writer's gonna be? <sighs> Carrie Fisher. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> that would be pretty good. Is it somebody? It, it is. It is going to be somebody famous, right? Yeah, not like hugely famous, but like you know who this person is. It's like it's like the same level of like Jim Rash. Hmm. Probably slightly more famous, although Jim Rash has an Oscar. He does. Yeah, he uh, wrote the screenplay for uh, that movie with George Clooney, The Descendants. Oh, that won an Oscar? Yeah. yeah. More you know. For screenplay, which he wrote. <laughs> good for him. Also, he was in Bros, which was good. He was in Bros, and it was good. He was the bi was character. The bi character. <laughs> I don't know. It's gonna be like um, a Gilmore Girl or something, probably. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. It's fine. You don't need to know. I'm not expecting you to guess correctly. There's a lot of famous people out there. Um, okay, well. <laughs> Final thoughts on the backup plan. A weird title for this episode. Barkley was my, he's my new favorite Glee character. In case we, that's not clear, Barkley is the guy who brought the wig in and out of the dressing room. He's the best wig guy. He deserves an Oscar and a Tony and an Emmy. Give him an EGOT. Indeed. Who's your favorite Glee character? Yeah. Me? Uh, I mean, probably... Well, it depends on, like, when, but, like, probably Kurt or Blaine. Well, yeah, I figured it was one of those two, but I was, like, trying to make you decide. <laughs> <laughs> you were, like, trying to Yeah, I was trying me. to catch you off guard. <laughs> And you said, <laughs> not <today." laughs> Like, you're not getting me to, <laughs> to firmly draw the line there. I'm asking you to firmly draw the line. <laughs> I mean, what? I don't know. I feel like they made Kurt so, like, serious and prudy. And, like, I don't think that's in line with all of the incredible stuff that he did when he was still in high school. Like, I feel like Kurt after high school is way less interesting than Kurt when he was in high yeah. school. Um, which isn't to say that I don't still love him and that he isn't still interesting. And it's not like Blaine's been having a ton of amazing things to do. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, like season two Kurt is like perfect, you know? When I think of glee and you i think of kurt 
Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, it does okay. make sense. Who do you think of when you think of Glee and me? I don't know, Santana? Correct. I would have also accepted Lauren's Ices. <laughs> <laughs> You're Lauren's Ices. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna glee. I'm, what is it called? Disney bounding? I'm gonna Disney bound as Lauren's Ices. <laughs> I'm too old to know what that is. I think is. it's when you just dress up like a Disney character, but like fashion, you know? Like, okay. So it's like cosplay? Kind of, but like. I'm gonna be win- I'm winning the Pooh Disney bounding today, but it's just because I'm wearing like a red shirt and like mustard pants and like cool brown shoes. Oh, okay. How would you do that for Lauren's Icy's? I would dress like I did in 2010. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> how do you elevate Lauren's? How do you Icy's? how do you reach perfection? <laughs> She's already perfect. You're right. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, you should do Carmen Thibodeau. I love Carmen Thibodeau. You know what's funny is I was listening to one of our older episodes, probably while I was editing it, and then shortly after it came out, and we were not happy that, like, Carmen Thibodeau was around. And I was like, were we insane? What was going on? Who heard us? Maybe she was making I know. Oh, maybe it was because she rejected Kurt. And she was like all over yeah. Rachel, yeah. That's probably it. like they still let Rachel in, but they didn't like Kurt in, and we were we were pissed. I mean, reasonably yeah, so, obviously. I mean, I've said it before. I'm sure Carmen Tubido lies awake at night <laughs> thinking about how she got that situation completely opposite yeah. wrong. It was Kurt all along. She looked at Kurt, and she was like, "It's always been you." <laughs> <laughs> God, you know she loves Kurt. Yeah. I mean, why do you think Kurt got selected for this showcase? It's the sign of the times. Well, this has been another rousing edition of TH Glee. It's always rousing with you, isn't it? Titillating, even. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Courtney. What? How how do you titillate an awesome? You oscillate its tits a lot. <laughs> Correct. I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> oh man, we gotta be done. Cut, cut the cameras. <laughs> future, future, take it away. <laughs> oh my god, so true, Busty. Thank you for listening to another episode of TH Glee. If you like this episode, you can give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to see more from us, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at THGlee420. If you want to hear more of my voice, you can check out Pumping Up the Podcast, a Hannah Montana podcast, or follow me on Twitter at LovelyLacy. And if you want to hear more of my voice, you can listen to Ramsey's Recaps and Trailer Trash, or follow me on Twitter at Style. And until next time, don't stop believing. Oh my god.